Hello and welcome back to the conclusion of the matter. I'm Ren Ferguson and joined with me as always is Ryan Weaver. Uh, again, unfortunately this week, Robbie Santiago will not be with us. He is sick, at least as of recording uh, this week's and last week's episodes, but uh, Lord willing, he'll be back with us in next week's uh, podcast. We'll, Lord willing, be able to get back to some of those Christian evidences things that we began discussing in our first episode of this season. But Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. And we, as always in this podcast, strive to look at biblical topics and passages to expound upon them and, and look at them in more depth so that we can come to learn what it is that God would have us to do. Because if that's our purpose and being here, then we should have a firm grasp in understanding what it is God requires of us. And last week, we started looking at the book of James, and I think that's a great book to get at least... Uh, at least many of the things God would have us to do, a general outlook at how he would have us to live and a number of other important points. And so we're going to pick up that study uh, here today, and I'll go ahead and t turn it over to, to Ryan. Yeah, so we're going to start there in chapter 3. Um, I think that the couple main points here is, as I think we mentioned at the end of the last one, it's... A big component here in chapter 3 is the tongue. Um, I think he starts with a warning that, you know, he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Um, I think that leads into this tongue concept, because what do we teach with? With, with our tongue, yeah. right? And um, now this isn't contradictory to the Hebrew writer that said that was that was telling those those Jews they should already be teachers by now. Yeah. He's just saying if you're going to teach, you should take it serious. Um, and then he gets into this part about um, the tongue and how small it is, and he uses a couple of examples. Um, you know, the sh the first one is the horse and the the bit in its mouth, right. and and a horse to, is is a pretty powerful animal. Um, if it was to tug a war, mm -hmm. if you were to tug a war with the horse, the horse is going to win. Yeah. You guys, you've seen Ren. Ren, well, those that had, those that those that have seen Ren, he's 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 pretty stout feller, and he could <laughs> probably hold his own against um, a tug of war contest. But against a horse, no, against a horse, no. But the the thing there is that he, James is saying you can control a horse just by a little piece in the horse's mouth. You can you can pull on the reins and yeah. that bit's going to pull it left or right and you can steer it. And the same with the the ship and the ut the utter that he's talking about is that you think about this massive ship. How do you get it to turn? Yeah. There's something in the back on what he's referring to. An utter is such a small component. Number one, it's important. Right. So without it, the ship would not be able to turn and it could go into disastrous, you know, conditions. But also using it, they're able to control it. Yeah. And that's his point is the tongue is something that can be controlled, mm -hmm. but it is something hard right. to tame that we're going to get into here. And the last example that he uses there in verse um, 5, um, it's so small, yet it can cause a lot of trouble. Yeah. And he talk, he compares it to that. I always think of this 
as you think about forest fires, you know, Smokey the Bear says, you know, keep it green. Well, people will throw out a little cigarette butt or a match, and that little thing, ember, can destroy millions of acres of forest because it has just taken off. Uh And that's his point about the tongue. Yeah. And and to me, those two illustrations always stand out because of like what you hit on in verse five, because of how small it is and how sometimes seemingly inconsequential it may be. And I think that's kind of his point is it's not inconsequential at all. Uh, and so he's he's saying here, even going back to going back to verse two, he says, if if we we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. And that, again, to your point, what you were talking about, it's so difficult for people to, generally speaking, to control what they say. You know, I mean, I think every single one of us has been in a position where we might fly off the handle. We say yes. things because of yes. emotions. Been there, done that. Whatever it may be, it's it's hard for us to do that. And that goes to his point, uh, when is it? In verse 6, that the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And it is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. It's... It's small, but it can, like you mentioned with the forest fires, it can cause all sorts of damage. damage yeah, and and I'm sitting here trying not to laugh because, as Ren's reading or mentioning uh, in verse two where it says, um, "Does not stumble in what he says." I just realized I said the udder of a ship oh, instead yeah. of the rudder <laughs> of a ship, and I'm thinking these people are thinking I'm talking about the parts of a cow. But anyway, I got tickled there. But I meant the rudder of a ship and not the well, udder. You're over here. Uh, not I'm trying not to cackle, and I'm thinking, did I say no, something? No, that was, that was I was laughing at myself. Sorry, because I literally did stumble in what I said, and that was the <laughs> verse you were talking about. But anyway, I I digress. But uh, going back to Ren's point, the tongue can do a lot of damage, um, and I think that's his point because he's going to get to that not only here, um, but here at the end of this that you know. Um, <clears throat> The tongue is what we use to convey our thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And and going back to the teaching aspect, we teach with our tongue, we speak with our tongue. And I think we kind of talked about it a little bit there in chapter one, not to go back, but that's why he says, um, be quick to hear, slow to speak, because yeah. a lot of times we get ahead of ourselves. Right. And as you, I think, referred to flew up, fly off the handle, we speak before we think. Right. And that can get us in trouble because... You can hurt a relationship very easily with with words, right? And it's hard to put it back together, right? And even going back to the end of chapter one as well, in verse twenty six, if we don't bridle our tongue, if of course that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but if we don't strive to control what we say and how we say it, he says our religion is vain; mm-hmm. it's useless. And so that's that's absolutely. Absolutely right, that damage that it can cause. And I think even going back to the beginning of this where he says that we shouldn't, not many of you should become teachers. If somebody can't control their tongue and they can't control how they speak, then they aren't really qualified to be a teacher. I know we don't have the qualifications like with the elders or deacons, but if somebody's in that situation, they're not in a position spiritually where they should be teaching. You're not going to make... much progress if you're trying to teach someone and you 
get mad yeah. at them and fly off because they're not understanding right. something. I think that's where Paul says speaking the truth in, in love, love, right? So right. there's the approach to it. Now, I think going on to verse 7, he 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 kind of throws another example and says that all um, every kind of beast and bird of, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Mm-hmm. So you stop and think about anything that we've tried to tame, right? I mean... You go to a circus, you like they they can make elephants do yeah. things, they can make tigers do things. Now they're still wild animals and right. they will still do wild animal things, but they're not like their relatives out in the savanna, yeah. right? And his point is that's how hard the tongue is to tame because we can do that with these powerful animals, beasts. Yeah. But then his next statement in verse eight, no man being um but no human being can tame the tongue. So I think he wants us to strive for it, but knowing that we are going to have a very, very difficult, difficult time, time with it. Yes, absolutely. And to to your example, going off of that point, you think about horse horses, you think about elephants. I mean, to me, what blows my mind is like at SeaWorld and things oh, like that. Oh, the big orca. The orcas, yeah, yeah. how they can train them where one guy will be riding on the back of one and they'll have a second one jump, jump. over them. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's incredible how how we can tame them and to an extent control them, even though like pound for pound strength-wise oh, we're yeah. nothing compared to them. And to your point, that just emphasizes how difficult it is for us to control our tongues. And he, he, he continues there in verse 8, it is a restless evil. It doesn't, yeah. it's not it doesn't. something we can rest on our laurels or just right. say, oh, I got this conquered, because right. as soon as you think that, you're probably going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he continues there, and he he talks about it. You can't be two-faced. You know, he says you can't use your tongue. We use it to bless God, but then we turn around and we curse human. He didn't necessarily—does he say— Curse people People. who are made in the Yeah, so he doesn't even say your brothers. He's just talking about people People. in general that God created that have a precious soul. And I read that, and I'm like, man, when I was driving and that person— Yes. was on their phone at the stoplight yeah. and weren't paying attention. I'm like, come on. Now, I didn't curse them or anything, right. but, you know, you got to be yeah. careful. Yeah. And it's like, he he goes, These, this shouldn't be so. You shouldn't be saying, well, yeah, I praise God, but now I'm talking bad about this person. Right. Um, and he gives the example of a couple things there that doesn't, doesn't happen. You know, right. the fig tree can't have... Um, what did he say? Olives and yeah, and the, and, and the grapes can't produce figs. Yeah. Or the the freshwater spring can't produce salt water, or the salt water can't produce mm-hmm. fresh water, and yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and to me, it even kind of goes back to Christ's teachings in Matthew five about loving our enemies. To, because to your point, yeah, <clears throat> with it we curse people. It's not necessarily our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is much more generic. He's applying it to all yeah. people, mm-hmm. and it is especially easy when it comes to people that we don't particularly like for us to, or even people we don't know, no, I would say yeah, especially people don't we know. don't know, yeah. we can, we have to be very careful in saying things about them, whether it be like in traffic, like that illustration you just pointed out, or whether it be like, uh, I don't know, some people get irate about sports and they'll, oh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. they'll, cuss refs out and they'll say all sorts of stuff even thinking about the internet people say all sorts of stuff about all sorts of things on the internet and especially when it comes to people that they don't know and so we really got to be be careful because that's something and i think that's what we're seeing here is that something that is 
basically universal. Almost, if not every person saved for Christ, deals with this very thing. Sure. Because we often talk about how everybody struggles with different types of sins, and that is true. But I think this one in particular is yeah, universal. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I yeah. would agree with that. Um, <clears throat> then he jumps into the rest. Of, do you have anything else on that no, section? Okay. Uh, then he jumps into the uh, what I considered the the um, comparison of wisdom of the world and wisdom um, from heaven. I will say because um, he talks about those that. Uh, if you have the certain attitudes, and he mentions jealousy and selfish ambition, uh, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So he's saying having these attitudes of boastfulness, and you know, and he's going to get into chapter four, I think, leading from this, talking mm-hmm. about the jealousies and what yeah. it what it is causing with these people that he's writing to. But he's saying that wherever um, jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Nothing good right. comes from those attitudes. Mm-hmm. There's going to be backbiting, gossiping, lying, slander. Which are the exact things. opposite of what he says yeah. in verse 17. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So a couple of things there. Impartial goes oh, back, back to chapter chapter two. Chapter, yeah. chapter two with the partiality. Um, what you just said, backbiting, all that, peaceable, open to reason. I mean, yeah. pe- some people are like, I ain't gonna, I'm not listening to right. you. Well, can we be? He says they're open right. to reason. God gives us a brain for a reason, yes. right? And it's to think things through yeah. and not be closed mind on stuff. Yeah. And I think by examining how we live and the fruits of our lives, we can see whether or not we're living according to the wisdom of the world or we're living according to the wisdom that's from above. Yes. You should be able to tell. It's yeah. kind of like the fruits of the spirit, right? right? And the fruits of the, the, right. the of the flesh. Um, all right. Uh, jumping into chapter four, um, he kind of continue on continues on from chapter three. And as we pointed out multiple times, um, while we have chapters, they were written as letters, so yeah. sometimes the thoughts carry over better than other times from chapter to chapter. And this, as he's saying, is that jealousy and that backbiting really causes them um, to have these fights. He says it's that it's their it's your passions that are war within you. Des- you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you mm-hmm. cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. They were jealous. Yeah. They wanted what someone else had, right. and they were doing whatever it took to try to get it. And his this goes back to the contentment argument, mm-hmm. I think, in the fact that if we're content, we won't have these kind of attitudes. Right, right. And even as he, as he says there, they don't have it because they don't ask for it. But they also don't have it because in verse 3, yeah. because they If they ask do wrongly, ask for it, it's because... They can the wrong spend motives. it on their own passions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very selfish. Going back to what he talked about at the end of chapter 3, the selfish ambition, very self-centered, very concerned about promoting oneself, benefiting oneself over the others that are around them, which, of course, goes back to verses 1 and 2, causes all of those problems, even amongst themselves. And again, going back to the context of this, writing this to Christians, obviously this is a problem that Christians face, just like the tongue is a problem that Christians face. 
I know we can probably all think of different instances, perhaps even congregations, where we have seen these types of things cause come issues, about yeah. and cause divisions within the church. It's because of that selfishness, because of that those evil desires, as he's describing there in verses 1 and 2. Yeah, and I think he calls them adulterous people because mm-hmm. of they are basically leaving their first love, right. God, and going to the world. And that's where he's getting into the to the fact that you can't you can't serve two masters, basically, uh-huh. is what he's saying. You've got to choose the team you want to be on. Right. Because if you're a friend with the world, you're automatically a what? Enemy of Enemy God. Enemy of God. There is no, well, what do you mean? I can't be like a friend here and a friend there? Mm-hmm. Apparently not. No. So, um, but I think it's because... We get we get further down in the chapter. It's because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, and it goes back to that attitude thing yeah. we talked about in the last podcast. Is that these the the attitude a lot of times is those people that are have that humility about them probably because they don't have as much or don't have that um, proudness to rely upon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is where we get, you know, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. You know, it goes back to this rich and poor that we were in uh, chapter, where was that, chapter, chapter 1? Two? No, chapter 1 is what I was talking about, oh. in verse 9, with let oh, the low, okay. yeah, lowly yeah, brother, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, you know, he's like, a couple things here. you got to humble yourself. I find it interesting in verse 8, you draw near to God, He will draw near to you, you right? And that comes right after he tells you to resist the devil. Mm-hmm. So if you flee from the devil and then you go to God, God will draw near to you. Right. There's there's opposite directions here, right? right? You can't go to one and then go to the other Yeah. because they're going two different directions. Right. And it, it kind of goes back to that, what you're talking about there in verse 4. You can't can't have both of them. You have, if you want to draw near to God, you have to resist and draw away from the devil. And, and I think it's in, encouraging what he says there in verse 8. If we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. Right. And I always think of it, you know, kind of like the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was returning home, but his father ran out there to meet him. Met him, him yeah. And kind of, I think when we did that episode, kind of closed that gap yeah. between his son and himself. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here as well. If we turn from all of these things that he's describing at the beginning of this chapter, end of the last chapter, the jealousy, selfish ambition, covetousness, all of these things. If we resist and turn from all of those and humble ourselves, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to us. Mm-hmm. I think that, ad- and to continue with the attitude, he's telling them to mourn and mm-hmm. let your laughter be turned to mourning. It's not that he doesn't want us to be happy in life, right? but if you consider where you're at in life and you are in this, you're friends of the world, then you should mourn. Yeah, You should realize that you've got to, you're not in a good spot, and that's when he says, um, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Now, figuratively speaking, cleanse your hands, but right. make yourself right, right? right? Make right. some changes. Right. Um, then he goes back, and I think in verse 11, do not speak evil against um, one another, brothers. Uh, those who speak against a brother or judges or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and the judge, and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So I think they're, number one, going back to the partiality aspect. Right. Um, but also... Um, 
going back to the tongue aspect, mm-hmm. don't be talking about or speaking evil yep. against them. Um, and ultimately, there is one judge. Yep. Now, can we point out, I think you talked about on Sunday, judge a righteous judgment right. or by, um, I don't think you said it this way, but by the facts, right? Yeah. You, you, not by appearances, I right. think is the verse. Yeah, you, John 7, yeah. 24. And um, so, yeah, we can judge, but I think ultimately here, he's saying there's one judge that's right. going to condemn and make that yeah. decision. Well, and that's I think that's his point, too, is there's only one person who can condemn. Mm-hmm. We it's not in our power to condemn. Right. We can just simply point out, hey, what you are doing is it will get you condemned right. in essence. But I can't. But we don't have that power. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then um, I think the next part of this chapter is basically, and Ren said it at the beginning when he said, Lord willing, we'll be back next week. You know, um, I didn't do that. Intention. I know you didn't do it on the intention, but. I think that's his point here is that he he says that um, the the concept here is verses 13 um, through 17. 17, He basically, you know, he says, oh, and I always like this verse or or I like these verses because um, he he uses vagueness. He says, goes to such and such a town, you know, and it's like it doesn't you can say that you can just say, well, such and such did, you know, you're going to do that. You don't have to be elaborate in your explanation sometimes. And he's saying you go to such and such a town, you're going to spend the year there and you're going to make a trade and you're going to profit. Most of us would say that and not think anything of it. Right. Because a lot of times we do that. We think, well, this summer, I mean, because on this podcast, we've said our plan is to go from January to May, take a break and pick up in July. Yeah. Do we have to say, Lord willing? You don't have to say it. Right. I think here he's, his example is what you should have said, You instead of what you ought to have said, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Yeah. And I think it's not, I don't think it's, I think it's good to say, but I don't yeah. think we're wrong inherently by not saying it, as long right. as we have that in our mind yeah. that if it's according to his will, yeah. We'll, we will do we'll this. Do it. yeah. It's not like, well, I'm going to do this no matter what. Right. Um, because who's in control? And I think that's ultimately what he's mm-hmm. saying here is yeah. that um, because going back, I'm going back to that that first that chapter one verses nine and ten, the viewpoint of if the poor becomes rich and the rich yeah. becomes poor, God's in control, and I'm okay either way. Right. Right. And. And again, to that point in verse 14, he shows just how little control we actually have because our life, he yeah, compares it to point. a vapor. I jumped over that, sorry. He compares yeah. it to a vapor there. It's here one second and gone the next. We have no power. We have no control over what's going to happen in our life. And ultimately, we need to make sure that we're living to the best of our ability according to the will of God and understanding that through his providence, maybe some of our plans, what we wanted to happen, isn't really in our best interest. Mm-hmm. That's that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah, and I think the important aspect of that is as long as we keep the attitude of God knows best um, yep. and the attitude of Christ and the attitude of Paul that say, I'll be content with, with your answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... <clears throat> He ends this chapter. He he may, he draws the, the the parallel of that, saying, "You knew." Um, in this case, I think it was more on the fact that it wasn't that they were not saying it; it was they weren't even including God in. Mindset. Yeah, they didn't, yeah. weren't even including God in their plans. Um, and he says, 
so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the broader application there is that if you know you should have done do you, you know you should do something and you choose not to. Yeah, then it's I think the implication sin. it's yeah. it's sin to you. But it, you know, again, particularly in this in context, this context the, right? The yep. keeping God in our plans. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I think it does have that more. Uh, that more general principle and I, as well. And I think the reason why I say that, Ren, is because I go back to chapter 2 talking about um, if a brother or sister poorly clothed or lacking food and you yeah. don't do anything but tell them, you yeah. know, it did you no good. And and I and in First John chapter yep, 3, three where he talks about if you have the word, words world's goods and you don't, and you see your brother yeah. in need and you don't share it, you don't have the love of God. Yeah. So I think if you do see right. something good you right. need to do and you don't do it, then... Anyway, yeah. anything on chapter on nope. chapter four? Nope. All right, so chapter five. Um, here we see him. Um, now this is man's interpretation. Man's interpretation. Man's title for the chapter yeah. here at the beginning. My Bible has warning to the rich, and I guess you could say that because he's starting um, calls out the rich. And first thing I want to point out is that. As we've said in multiple podcasts, us in this country would be considered rich when compared with 95% of the world or 99% of the world or something something like that. that. So to think that he's not writing to something that can that can um, relate to us yeah. is not true. I mean, it can relate to us, when we, especially when we look at some of this stuff. Um, now he's warning them, and he says, How for the miseries that are coming upon you? And... The commentary I read said that the impending the impending judgment and them knowing what's up, that what if they don't change their ways is is coming their direction. I think you can kind of get the sense of that um, because they put their trust in their golden silver, yep. silver, silver. Um, their garments are mo- are moth eaten, and and then he says you've laid up treasure in the last days, and I think this almost is the opposite of what Jesus was saying. Well, you lay up treasures in heaven where right. moth and rust do not destroy. But yet he's saying your treasures you've laid up here are moth-eaten they're already and they are corroded. Corroding. Exactly. Yeah. Just shows how temporal those things really are. Even even here, we'll lose them. And that goes, I mean, you look at wealthy people. They'll come to wealth. They'll have it for a little while. And then they'll fall to poverty mm-hmm. again actually i was i today i got a notification from espn i don't remember the guy's name i don't keep up with hockey that much but it was a goalie i think he plays for vegas and he and his wife had to declare bankruptcy because of 50 oh, million sure. dollars yeah. in debt and he had just signed like a 25 million dollar five-year contract <laughs> and i'm thinking how do you make five thousand dollars a year and have to declare bankruptcy yeah yeah but because they put their trust in it and they they blow it basically. Well, and I think the interesting thing here is um, you said that it's um, where did it go? I think I oh um, no oh you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self indulgence, and that goes yeah. back to that example of self indulgence. Yep. You know they were doing it and they were using it to please themselves. Yeah. Now they might have done some charitable works. I'm not and yeah, this I person have no I have idea. no idea. But I think the interesting thing here is he calls them out because they're defrauding the people that have worked for them. 
They've yep. owed people wages. They're not paying them. They've held them back. Yep. Maybe they held them back because they don't want to, I, I can't get rid, you know, yeah. I don't want to lose my grip on this wealth. And right. again, it's not yours anyway. Yeah. You know, God gave it to you. God gave you the ability to have yeah. these riches and we're stewards of that. And I think that's what we need to keep in mind is that number one, if we owe someone something, we should pay them, yeah. right? I think Paul says that in Romans. Yeah. If you owe someone, um, oh no, man, anything, yeah, except, except love for love, and he yeah. specifically if you owe them, uh, owe them money or things yeah. like that, um, debts or whatever. Um, so here we're told that, but also lived in luxury and in self indulgence. And sometimes I think we live in luxury sometimes and have things that aren't necessary. A lot of us do, yeah. you know, compared to. Um, and are we using all of our riches that God has blessed us with for that and not helping others? Yeah, yeah. I think you're exactly right. Um, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter, and you have condemned, you have, condemned, you have murdered the righteous person. Um, so there's, I think, a warning to us that our riches are given to us, and we should be using them like at the end of chapter 1 to visit or see to the needs mm-hmm. of those that can't take care of themselves. Um, and in chapter 2, um, not showing partiality, but giving to everyone. And, and in chapter 4, by loving those your neighbors yourself, um, all of that is how we should be using what God has blessed us with. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, um, <clears throat> I think his point here ties back to chapter 1 a little bit when he talks about consider it all joy when you're dealing with various trials, because yeah. now he's talking about um, be patient, and he specifically talks about the second coming, and he talks about, he relates it to how a farmer, you know, he plants the seed, and he doesn't expect it to come up immediately. You know, he's waiting for the early rains and then yeah. the, the rains as the season goes on because that's needed, and then he knows that the harvest will come. Right. So everything that we're going to, um, he's like, just be patient, you know, don't don't um, lose heart, maybe, would be a, a good way of, of, of yeah. saying that. Well, even in verse 8, he says, establish your hearts okay. for the coming of the Lord ah, is at hand. There we go. That idea of strengthening your hearts, going even, like you mentioned, chapter 1, growing in all of those areas, developing that patience, that strength to endure, because as you just mentioned, one day that harvest, so to speak, is going to come. We're going to be rewarded for those things. Right, and I think that... that is the opposite of what he said at the beginning of the chapter mm-hmm. is the miseries that yeah. are coming upon the rich that are right. withholding. You can look forward to that being a good day. Right. Um, and then in verse 9, he switches back to the tongue a little bit again. Don't grumble yeah. um, against one another so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So again, inevitably, that judgment mm-hmm. is going yeah. to happen. And going back to your point in, in chapter 4, our life is but a vapor. We don't know when Mm. our chance to get things right is going to end. Mm -hmm. So that's why we need to live in a a way where we're ready. Um, He talks about, um, do we want to go, let's see. Oh, I will jump to verse 12. By all brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, very similar to Jesus saying your yes be yes. Your word should be what it is. And here it's like, um, you you shouldn't have to. Um, uh, I swear on such and such. Yeah. Your word should be right taken as what it is. Now you're going to say in the court of law in our country we say right. I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Shouldn't that be our our 
goal every day. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, thinking about in the first century, and I think Christ addresses this in Matthew twenty three. There was, especially amongst the Jews, there were some oaths that they considered to be non-binding and others that were binding. And so in their dealings with people, they would swear an oath that to them wasn't binding. Like whenever kids say, <clears throat> I don't know, cross their heart, hope, hope to, die, to die, whatever yeah, it is, but they got their my fingers crossed like behind their back. So <laughs> that means that it doesn't actually count, that yeah. kind of thing. But they're doing it to be deceptive. And I think, again, like you're saying, that's kind of his point. Mm-hmm. Don't be deceptive. If you say you're going to do it, if you say yes, then that should mean yes. If you say no, then that should mean no. Right. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, he says you fall, may fall under condemnation right. because you'll be breaking it's transgression, transgression right. to you. All right, and then jumping to verse uh, 13 through, I would say, 18, um, He's, he's going to cover the the powerfulness of prayer, is mm-hmm. what I would say. Um, he talks about, first of all, he says, if, if you're happy, let him sing praises. Um, if you're suffering, let him pray. I did that in backwards order, sorry. Um, if anyone of you is sick, let him call upon the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Now, people are going to say, is this miraculous? Is it not? Um, my opinion is that it is miraculous in this in this context, first yeah. century here. I'd, I would I would say okay. So also. I thought you did night with James with us yeah, when you when I interviewed out. here yeah. or whatever. Um, but anyway, I think um, our eldership here on Sunday mornings will say a prayer for the sick. Um, that kind of follows this pattern. I mean, they're not calling on right. the elders to do it, but our right. elders are offering a prayer for our sick. Um, here in this case, it's also talking about spiritual sickness, too, mm-hmm. because it's talking about the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up, which why I think it's miraculous, because the Lord is the one actually doing yeah. the the raising up versus right. some medicinal, right. medicinal way of doing it. That's the thing that stands out to me, is if this weren't miraculous, why is he charging the elders of administering some type of medicine or right. physical care in that sense? Because there were there doctors, doctor. yeah. I mean, yeah. Luke, the physician, was right. around. Well, I don't right. know if Luke was around, but there were yeah. physicians. Right. Um, and because the lady that had the hemorrhage, she had spent yeah, all, her spent all her money uh, on doctors and stuff, yeah. right? Um, but anyway, he he also says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So I think there's an aspect of of the, spiritual. of the spiritual sickness as well, which tells us that we can go to God in prayer um, and ask for forgiveness. Um, and then we get to here's one: confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. How do you pray for one another if you don't know, you know, what they're dealing with? Right. I mean, you can give a general, you know, yeah. general prayer. Yeah. Uh, be with such and such as they're dealing with whatever they're dealing yeah. with. God knows, right? Right. right. Um, but here I see I think we see the the need to um especially if it's a sin against a brother yeah, right. you would go, go make it right to them yeah um I I've always liked uh the end of that verse the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working or mm-hmm. other versions say great power as it's working or something like that I and it's working so. yeah um I like that because if one righteous person's prayer is powerful what do you think about 50. Right. They're praying for the exact same thing. Now, not to say God's going to answer it if you if you get 50 and not just one yeah. person, but just think about the power of right. a prayer. Um I don't know. And then he gives the example of Elijah who prayed for it not to rain and it didn't rain for 3 years and 6 months. Um then he prayed again and it rained. So did God answer his prayer? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, anything on the prayer that no. you want to add? Um, and at the end, he says, my brothers, if any, he closes this out, this book with anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone that brings him back. And I think we use this in our, can we use our lose your salvation episode mm-hmm. way back when as, oh, okay, so someone can wander from the truth and they need to be brought back. Yeah, yeah we see that here. And we see that whose responsibility is it? It's the faithful. It's the faithful brothers, right? right? To try to get, and this goes back to that judgment piece we talked about. Um, it's okay to tell someone, hey, this is what you're doing is not according to right. God's word. Um, because how can you do that? How can you convince them without pointing it out? Right. Um, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, Jesus is the one who saved his soul, but we are helping putting him back into that state. And I think that's what James is getting at, not Mm -hmm. that the person is going to take credit for, I saved you. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, same can be said when you convert someone. You're responsible for them being saved, even though Jesus did the the work. Right, right. So um, we covered three chapters fairly quickly. I think we went a little bit longer this time, uh, a couple minutes Mm -hmm. longer than the last time. Um, I don't have anything else. I think James is, to your point, is I've heard it said it's the um, one of the best application books for us today. Um, It's Ren's favorite. So if you (laughs) want to get him something for Christmas, get him a something that says I love James on it. January. (laughs) Well, next year. Um, for his birthday, so, okay, for yeah. his birthday. Again, I love the book of James <laughs> on it or something like that. Anyway, um, um, you want to give uh, our information? Yeah. Uh, we hope that this was beneficial to you. We encourage you to go back more in your own time to study the book in more depth. You'll learn certainly much more than we were able to get into here. If you have any questions about anything, feel free to email us at the cl- at the conclusion of the matter at yahoo.com. Uh, You could message us on Facebook or reach out to one of us personally if you have our info, and we would be happy to look at any questions that you may have. As always, uh, whenever you see these being posted on Facebook or wherever, please share those. Help us to sow those seeds and, and help to bring other people in contact with God's Word. Uh, that's certainly something that, that all of us can do. It's an easy way for us to be involved in any sort of evangelism or edification efforts that we might have. And so, again, if you have any questions, contact us. Let us know. We'll address them on a podcast or we can answer them directly, whatever the case may be. But for now, I guess you could say that that is the conclusion, conclusion of, of the, the matter. matter.